Hi there, listeners. This is uh, Sean Harris, and I'm with Paco Garcia. Hello. And this is GMS Magazine. Well, GMS Magazine podcast. Yes. So, so Paco, uh, I was following you over on Facebook, and I noticed a really uh, fairly intense discussion get started about this thing called ZineQuest and Kickstarter. Yes. And this is completely unfamiliar to me because I, I'm too broke to fund Kickstarter projects. Um, so if you don't mind, like for the listeners, like kind of, um, you give us an, you know, a very brief uh, explanation of what ZineQuest is. Okay, um, basically, um, uh, ZineQuest has been a campaign that's being organized by I don't know who, I don't know if it is Kickstarter or somebody else, but the point is that a call for indie authors to fund and publish their zines uh, was made, and dozens of creators from all over the world have flooded onto Kickstarter to basically fund those zines and a zine for those of you who may not be familiar with it is just a very cheaply uh, produced game uh, very small very very indie uh, that usually has an awful lot of creativity and originality thrown onto it and uh, it's going to come and go and never be seen again because it's, it's indie and only a few will be printed. Uh, and there are loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of them at the moment, uh, the moment of recording this podcast in Kickstarter, which is uh, quite refreshing to see. So that is ZineQuest and it goes on for a month, I believe the whole month of February. Okay. Oh, well, that's pretty neat. Like, so we're thinking ZineQuest is like, are we thinking like zines from like those little, like those self-made pamphlets from the 90s? Correct. If you know what yes, like people who use it just like full paper yes. hat and staple the spine and that's like, here, have my book or my magazine that's, or whatever. That, that is exactly what it is. You know, it's, it's kind of a renaissance of the fanzines that we used to create when, surprise, surprise, listeners, especially the younger ones, when the internet wasn't widespread and the World Wide Web was made just for scientists. Um, we used to do things by hand and photocopy them. Uh, and, and it was intense and usually needed the whole group of people to do it. And it was amazing. And I remember those times very fondly, uh, even though I was an asshole. <laughs> uh, well, uh, your mouth was very, I did not know Paco then, so... Well, no, I, 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 I was a, a, a towny boy from southern Spain who'd never left his town and thought I was the bee's knees because I was absolutely gorgeous and had money. Okay, that's it. That was me when I was in my teens and I was absolutely unbearable, even though I was very handsome, not like now. So there you go. That that was me. That's my that's my secret. So there. Uh, hate me. <laughs> no, no, don't. Okay. I'm, I'm lovely. Right. So How did we get there? <laughs> <laughs> so we, I mentioned the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> I mentioned the 90s. Oh. Um, so... So that, 
so this is like a, a big like kind of like a kickstarter event type thing um and i noticed um in that conversation you were having on facebook there were some people who seem to have an issue with um with the way like kickstarter as a platform is uh like the distribution of the funding or something like that like is it because like uh, the big the big publishers are pushing out the like the little zine type projects or um there's been a there has been a combination okay well, I, th I think overall the Zine Quest has been very positive because an awful lot of very small people are getting an awful lot of exposure that otherwise they wouldn't be able to get. That's that's a fact. So that that is, I think that is very good and it should happen more often. However, what I have seen, I've seen an awful lot of complaints. Firstly, people complaining that suddenly Kickstarter has become just a marketing platform. And the original ethos of Kickstarter has been lost, of crowdfunding in general, has been lost um, because people don't go now to Kickstarter because they need the money to do the project. Because some people are saying, you know, if this is only going to cost you 300 euros to produce, seriously, if you have a steady job, then you shouldn't need Kickstarter, which is a bit... Yeah, that's that's not how it works. You know, I have a steady job and I needed 300 euros to pay the proofreader for Campodometers and I had to go to crowdfunding because I didn't have the money. So, yeah, that, that doesn't work like that all the time. And it is true, though, that Kickstarter and crowdfunding has become a marketing platform. Mm -hmm. Even if companies that should have the money to do their projects still go to crowdfunding to get the money they want. All right. And some people are complaining about that. Now, firstly, I find quite funny, you know, this is not the original ethos of Kickstarter. Look, Kickstarter doesn't have the original ethos of, of Kickstarter when it started. Mm -hmm. Kickstarter today, 11 years or 12 years on, is a very different company from Kickstarter in 2012, 2011, 2013. Mm -hmm. It's changed a lot because money has changed them. Mm -hmm. You know, so much so that they still don't have tools to protect creators against harassment. Mm -hmm. And that is something that other platforms like Game on Tabletop have already implemented. Mm. they still have no tools to supply or help fulfill the uh, projects digitally. You have to go to a different platform. You know, you have to go to Backerkit that is going to charge you money. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sorry, but I no longer see Kickstarter as the company that, oh, this is so good, it's the company that's making possible this project. That's today, that's bullshit. Kickstarter is just another company that wants to make as much money as possible. And the more profitable your project is, the more money they make. Mm -hmm. And this Xenoquest thing that's going on at the moment, I'm sorry, in these, this Kickstarter is not doing for you. They're doing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. 
that, that's the first thing that I see that I'm, I feel a bit, come on, mm. really, really, are we going to complain that, you know, oh, you're just doing this because it's a marketing platform? Well, yeah. So what? Yeah. So, um, so I was, as I was listening to you, like a couple of points, or a couple of things came up for me because I've used crowdfunding for my own creative projects before. And, um, and this was theater. So I was, it's another situation where it's a collaborative art form. And it's like, of course, people didn't get paid nearly enough. But um, like when people say things like, well, it's only 300 euros. So, you know, you should be able to pay out of pocket for that. One of the first things that I was told when I was considering producing my own play is that never come out of your own pocket for this stuff. Um, never pay with your own money. And I was like, I mean, at first I didn't understand it because it's like, well, it's, you know, it's only X amount of dollars, but I understand the wisdom of it now because it's, it's not really necessarily about the money per se. It's about how you learn how to budget your projects. And, you know, effective budgeting means it's like, you can't just say, well, I'll have this money to pay out of my pocket or whatever, because things come up and that's not always feasible. Um, that, that's the first point I, I would say about like, like why would you kickstart for like a measly 300 euro or thousand dollar project? You know, it's like, well, first of all, times are tough now that coming out of my pocket with 300 euros or a thousand, they're not the same, but you know, like these very micro budgets for these projects, it's not, it's not always going to be feasible right now. Like people are out of work, people are struggling to pay rent. People just cross their fingers, hope that they're not going to be lose their homes. So, you know, that's um part of it. Kick that phone. But yeah, um, but speaking of like the ethos of Kickstarter, I was like, um or the ethos of crowdfunding, it's like, on the one hand, I could kind of see where they're coming from as far as uh, remembering the, the roots, you know, like a, a company remembering their roots or their, uh, all the values that, that uh, created them. But at the same time, it's like, as Kickstarter, well, let me put it this way, as celebrity and celebrity money <laughs> made their way to Kickstarter, like, and and Kickstarter became like orders of magnitude more popular. Of course, that changes things. Mm. Um, it, it's not even the same. Mm. You know, it's sort of like it's the difference between like, like you know, like a small indie production versus you know, big budget Hollywood blockbuster, and it's like just just. The sheer volume is just, you know, it just changes things. Um, but do you think that, um, but do you believe that uh, crowdfunding specifically is still a, um, well, I'm going to say still, but do you think crowdfunding in particular is still going to be the, uh, you know, since it's not, since of course now crowdfunding is more of a marketing platform, is it still going to be 
um, a place where smaller projects can get noticed and funded um, by the community of people most likely to like participate in it. Yeah, so, like, oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, okay. Firstly, I think crowdfunding is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Uh, secondly, I hope it is here to stay and is going nowhere because the alternative to crowdfunding more often than not means either not doing something, which is tragic, or having to go to a bank, which is, you know, dangerous, mm -hmm. or having to use your own money Mm -hmm. and savings, which is very hard and very risky. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that creators shouldn't take some risk on their shoulders. Okay, I don't, I don't think the risk-free strategy should ever be an option. There should always be consequences of not delivering on something. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd rather people use crowdfunding than go to a bank. Mm -hmm. Because... With crowdfunding, you have a crowd of people to answer to if you cannot do things. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how vicious, vitriolic, and outright nasty mm -hmm. a crowd of backers can be. And I'm not calling you that, okay? I'm just, you know, illustrating this. It doesn't matter how many of those things they can be, they are going to be little lambs compared with a bank. Mm. Simple as. Yeah. Okay, because the bank may come with a tie and a suit and very nice words, but they're also going to come with a massive bill, an awful lot of charges, and taking you to court and making you lose your house. Mm -hmm. Which a Kickstarter crowd is unlikely to do. They're very likely to throw your business away. They're very likely to you never be able to get anything out again. They're very likely to be very nasty in social networks, but they are very unlikely to actually make your, you know, ruin your complete life with court fees. It's, it's unlikely. It could happen, but it's unlikely. So I'd rather people face that than a bank. Mm. You know, especially if we're talking the amounts of money that some Kickstarter projects make. Mm. Um, yeah. So the other the other reason I like crowdfunding an awful lot is because it empowers people to take their projects one step further. Mm. You know, you think you're going to get to 100 pages and suddenly you have enough money to get to 150. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I think that is absolutely amazing. So I, I think that, yes, crowdfunding is here to stay. So that's my first point. Is it going to become a marketing tool? Yes. That's it. Yes. You know, because at the end of the day, anybody can use Kickstarter. And the difference between the success of a project and another is how well you do that campaign. And how well you present your project and how well you get to the audience. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. You, know, oh. you can have an absolutely incredible book. And this has happened. You have the wrong campaign. You reach the wrong people. Nothing will happen. Nothing. You have a shitty book. And this has happened. I have a few of those that are packed. And you get to the right people. You give the right message. And it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Crowdfunding is a marketing campaign. In, in, in and by itself. 
as well as a funds gathering exercise. And people need to realize, I think the people need to understand that, I'm sorry, but it's a level field that anyone can use and you need to learn to use it properly. Mm. However, there's always a however, um, it is also true that if you have $10,000 to start with, you're a lot more likely to get something flashy enough and in front of enough people to make up for the expense of those $10,000. Mm -hmm. So there's no doubt. Like with any marketing campaign, the more resources you throw at it, the greater the likelihood of something succeeding. And, mm -hmm. and that's that's just the way it is. You know, they, I don't I don't think there's a way to change that. Right. So, so do you think like um like with the bigger publishers or the more traditional publishers? So you, you don't agree with the idea that um that they're taking up all the space or they're taking up all the funding that would go to smaller projects if if they were dominating. Uh, the, the crowdfunding landscape. Oh, no, I, I think they do take some of the attention, no doubt. You know, mm -hmm. right now, Free League is uh, having the uh, One Ring Second Edition being published. And I I don't know how many, you know, how many times they've got the money, like 500, 600%. Mm -hmm. And they weren't asking for little money. You know, they were asking for a lot of money. Uh, and, and they're asking for things that cost 50 euros. So, yes, I'm sure that there are going to be people who will have to choose between backing the one ring and backing a zing. Mm -hmm. I, I am absolutely convinced of that. Um, do I bemoan Free League for being doing it out now? No. No, they, they, they are serving their own interests. Is it unfair that they are doing it? Kind of, but there's no way to stop it. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, even though it would be very nice for Free League to say, oh, come on, because we love you all. We're not going to do the campaign this month. We're going to do the campaign next month. There. Even though it would be very nice if they did that, they're under no obligation. Why would they do it? Mm -hmm. There is absolutely zero guarantee that people backing zines this month are going to be people backing the One Rain second edition next month. Right. Why risk it? Why bother? <laughs> yeah. And I cannot, I don't like it, but I cannot fault them for, for that. Mm -hmm. No, they, they've launched when is the most optimal for them. Mm -hmm. So I cannot fault them. <laughs> And I think that is something that indies and indie companies need to get to grips with, that you are in the same platform that big people can use. And it's not a matter for them, them big people to stop using it because they're not going to stop. Mm -hmm. They're just not going to stop. It's a matter for how are you going to do things better mm -hmm. to get noticed to the right people at the same level that these other companies or similar. What right. can you do? That is what Indy should be wondering and asking, not why aren't you doing this a month later? That's just right. not going to work. Um, well, as you were 
yeah, you were speaking, and I was kind of thinking while you were saying all this, I was like, well, I mean, is it really the traditional publisher's fault that they ha- that they have more resources? It's like, okay, well, it's not like anybody's twisting people's arm to crowdfund this one big project, like from this uh, from this big company that already has a lot of resources. Um, so, so I'm like, well, is some of this really, is it really on the publishers themselves, or is some of this kind of on us as an audience? Where, I mean, I mean, let's just put it out there. It's like a lot of people, especially financially, are very risk averse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and now I'm only going to speak for me, but like, like this is just my personal preference, but like between uh, a project that I'm 95% sure is going to be funded simply because it's a known quantity versus a smaller project that's doing something really cool that I don't see all the time that where the prospect of fully funding is just not necessarily a foregone conclusion. I'd rather put my money toward the smaller project. Um, I know that like my $10 for a $300 Kickstarter would stretch, would go further than my $10 for like a like a hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and it's like and it's and I you know I mean, you know I guess it's a part of putting my money where my mouth is, but like you know if I say I want all this new and interesting stuff, part of that that is on me to make the new and interesting stuff happen. So is it is it really the fault of like traditional? big time the like big name companies um it's really their fault for doing what companies do which is you know utilize every available resource to cut costs and increase profits or is some of that is on us as a community you know what i mean i, I, I do I, <laughs> um I, I do and i think there is a mix of both to be honest i mean i i don't blame companies for doing what they do they have to do what they have to do to survive. And let's face it, RPGs are a very feeble and fickle market. And today you are very big and famous. And tomorrow you make a mistake and you're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have seen companies like Wizards of the World, D&D, coming back from the brink of disaster. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we have seen Chaosium nearly disappearing and coming back and rising like a phoenix mm-hmm. you know we we have seen that happening with many companies who've been close to disappearing because of a bad batch mm-hmm. so they have to do what they have to do to get things done properly now as long as they do it ethically and of course now we can get into a whole massive discussion as to um, what constitutes ethically or or not and so on and so forth but whether we like it or not and whether we like the content they do or the mistakes they make or not the fact is that watsi is paying what they pay and they're getting the books out that they're getting out and so is chaosium and so is paizo and so is green Ronin, and so is modifius 
and you could point out the mistakes and problems that each and every single one of those companies have. But the fact is that they're not doing anything that's so questionable that people are deciding to turn their backs on them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it doesn't matter how many scandals and issues there are with Wizards of the Coast and Mike Merrill's being there still and with this uh, uterus of the world as, uh, you know, embodiment of fertility and how... Tasha's cauldron of everything is going to repair all the damage that racial stereotypes have done to works and then it doesn't do it. They're still the strongest game. They're still the strongest company and people still playing unashamedly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's on us. Mm-hmm. That is on us as an audience. We as an audience we want what we want and we're going to get what's given to us. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that most of us, and this is not me just elucubrating this, this is me just looking at what sells and it doesn't. Most of us are going to go for something that's very lavishly produced or that it is produced by somebody that we love very much. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody like uh, Avery Adler, she makes some of the most original and incredible games you can think of. She has a fantastic set of people who follow them, who will buy their games every single time. Because Avery is who Avery is. And there are other indie people who haven't got to the point of Avery. You know, and they have to do something about that. And they have to do something to get as big as other people, as big as Wizards of the Coast, as big as Chaosium. And instead of, you know, saying, what are they giving the audience that makes the audience give them money? What can I do to actually get the money that these people are getting? Right. Um, I think it goes back to something we discussed when we were talking about like um, publishing RPGs and budgeting and whatnot. And we said, well, you know, um, we, we were talking about it where not to cut corners or anything, but it was like, like, do you really need like all those bells and whistles <laughs> on, on your product? Um, do you really need? And I think, okay, I'm, I'm kind of wandering a bit, but okay, let me try again. I wonder if part of the problem is how many, and I'm pretty sure it's not true of Zine Quest because I think Zine Quest was made with a particular ethos and a particular aesthetic in mind. But outside of that, I wonder if um, part of it is that so many role-playing games are based on, and I hate to say this, the indie knockoffs. And, you know, the reason why D&D can do D&D is because it's got like 50 years of branding behind it mm-hmm. <laughs> versus, you know, somebody doing this thing by themselves and they're, you know, on their computer. And it's like, is it, to some degree, I wonder if 
as a community, you know, when we get to a place where we want to make our own stuff and share it with the world, if we, um, not we as in all of us, but like if a lot of us are trying to be Wizards of the Coast or, or the next D&D and like not try to be, not really taking advantage of um, the kind of thing you can do with with fewer resources. Because um, uh, I think of, we, were talking, we were talking about we were talking about artwork and like layout and formatting and whatnot. But, but I mean, I guess we can talk about it now in more detail. It's like the actual content, and it's like um, if you're just gonna try to be. Uh, you know, an off-brand version of B&B, of course I'm not going to be interested. But if the play experience is going to be different um, somehow, if you're going to... Which is what I, what I really liked about the indie games I was exposed to when I was really active on The Forge and all that. It was like there were a lot of people doing some really interesting, offbeat, um, amazing stuff that was unlike anything else available to the vast majority of the uh, community at the time. And, and I wonder if, like, part, I would say part of the, I wonder if part of the issue is that, you know, like I said before, it's like, you know, for a hobby that is so, that's built on imagination, we as a community often fail to exercise that imagination. So, so I wonder if part of that too is like, well, is your project really all that? <laughs> I, I don't want to say it like that, but no. But I think you make like, a good point. <laughs> you 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 make a good point. Okay, uh, let, let's let's be blunt. Some of the zines look like something that we used to do when we were 17 years old in our bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's, that's, that's the way it is. And it has mediocre layout and it has mediocre production values and it has mediocre or low quality illustrations. And the whole thing is done by just one person. Okay, mm -hmm. now that in itself has a lot of value. Okay, I'm not I'm not dishing it out like this is shit. No, no, this it has value. But the problem is that it has value compared to the project and the product beside it. Mm -hmm. And that is unavoidable, mm -hmm. completely unavoidable. So if you have a product that you've done with all the love in the world that can maybe have the most innovative and interesting ideas on the planet with the best conceived and poorly executed illustrations because you've done everything yourself and you cannot do everything to perfection. And somebody sees a zine that has been done by an artist who's been at this for 30 years and it looks incredible. The likelihood is that people are going to notice that beautiful looking zine more than yours. That's it. Okay, we, we, need, we need to get over it. That's, that's the way it goes. And one of the problems that I think that the indie scene has is that people tend to work in isolation way too often. Mm -hmm. And that is never, never a good idea. You know, mm -hmm. for, for all the flaws 
that the 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 RPG scene has in Spain. Uh, we have something that I haven't really seen in many places before. There are an awful lot of what we call here creative teams. Mm -hmm. So basically, these are people like, for example, me and my friends on Friday evening when, when we're playing. And uh, one of them writes a D&D &D adventure. And he says, well, why don't you write it? And I will do the layout because that's that's what I do. And maybe one of my friends would say, right, I am going to do some of the illustrations because I can do the illustration. And they w we work together to create something for free that then is going to be given away. Mm -hmm or maybe put out for pay what you want or what have you. Mm -hmm. There are a number of teams like that here. Mm -hmm. And because of that, some of the free material that we have available here is unbelievable. Mm. As in really, truly breathtaking. It's amazing. Mm. In this should get into the this is what i need to do mm -hmm. you know if you are an indie author and you know that you're very good at writing but you're not good at illustration or layout find somebody that you can share the profits with meager as they may be mm -hmm. because i assure you that releasing a good looking beautifully done professionally presented product if you have to divide the profits by four, that's still going to be more money than producing a crappy looking thing that people are not going to want to buy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think in this, one of the things that people, and when I say in this, I include myself, mm -hmm. we need to realize is that we cannot thrive at the same level if we are doing everything ourselves. We need to join up with people who do things better than we do. Mm -hmm. And split yeah. the profits. Yeah, and the, and the funny thing is that's exactly what the bigger publishers do. They hire people exactly. <laughs> to do layout. They hire exactly. people to do illustration. They hire writers. Um, like, it's, you know, they hire people like to... And, you know, before, like, print on demand, I guess, it's like they hired people to, like, put the, like, to run the machines that print them out and all that stuff. It's like you had to hire people for all that. You know, you had to, like, pay for distribution and all that. It's, so it's like, so this idea that, like, creating a, a creative team instead of one person going, doing it all by themselves and, like, doing a, okay, doing a good job with the actual role play mechanics and a math job and everything else, it, yeah, it's like, so if, if it's, now if it's just, you just want to put your thing out there to the world, you know, more power to you. But if it's something that you say, okay, I want it to be the best quality it can possibly be, okay, well then you need to get some people with some skills. And, and you know, I know that people are going to say, well, but we can't, we can't hire people. I understand. It's not a matter of hiring. It's a matter of teaming up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I have. I personally have a problem, and is that because English is not my my mother tongue. When I write, it shows. Mm -hmm. I am not a bad writer, but it shows because you know I'm, I'm Spanish. I have joined up with somebody called Ben Graybeaton, 
who is helping me write my adventures. And we're going to split the profit together. Ooh. Am I going to make less money? Yes. But am I, boy, am I sure that I am going to release a better product? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting my mouth, so I'm putting my money where my mouth is and saying, that's what you have to do. You have to make sacrifices because mm-hmm. no person is an island. Mm-hmm. And if you are, then you're going to be isolated and you're not going to reach as far as you could. You need to build bridges. And if that means that instead of taking 10, you're going to take seven, suck it up. Right. Yeah. And, and I can say, like, from, from the theater world, this is actually having more people involved in your project is actually a good thing. Because it's not just you and the people you know. You're also tapping into the, like, the social networks of, like, those, the people you work with and the people they know. So it's, like it magnifies itself just be, simply because you're working on this thing together. So it's not just, oh, my project is all about me. It's look at what we're creating together. So if it's like, okay, you have a writer, an illustrator, layout, graphic design person, and like I'll say uh, involved. Um, so let's say it's like a team of four people. Like, yeah, one person, if you just make it like your full-time job and you don't sleep, you could probably do all the um, the writing, the drawing, the layout, the marketing and all that. But like if you and a team, with you and three friends with the right set of skills, make this product together. And then it's a thing that you all do together. And then there's four of you reaching out and four people um like getting the word out, you're much, much more likely to get a return on your investment of time and energy. And Correct. please don't pay out of pocket for your but just just time and energy. And it's like, okay, you might not make the okay, yeah. If you're doing it all by yourself, you might make the 300 euros you were planning to to do. But if you work with three of your buddies as a team of four, you might make 1,200 euros. So you all make 300 euros because I, I, you're for that, you know? Ex- ex- exactly. So it's a bit, look, I, I think I think Zinquest has proven that there is a market. Mm-hmm. And Zinquest has proven that it can be very profitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are also zines that people are asking for two and a half or three thousand dollars, which is a bit, wow, what are you trying to produce? I mean, I'd love to see that done and and see what it looks like and what it is like, because that's a lot of money for a zine. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to see that. But I have seen zines that are getting six, seven thousand, eight, nine thousand dollars. And it's a bit, that, that is enough to feed you for a number of months. No kidding. So you could be making a living out of this. If you make one of these every two months and you get this level of success, you could be making a living out of this. And I would love to see that happen. Really seriously love to see that happen. 
So I, I think we need to realize that there is a market, that there is a way to do it. And we need to start teaming up and doing it rather than complaining too much. Hey. <coughs> Sorry, I'm beginning to have um, hay fever, which is bizarre. <laughs> I apologize. Climate change is real. Oh, God, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, there's snow in Texas, so I'm like, okay. <laughs> we we have had some days in January that we were 26 Celsius. Mm. In January. That's a lot. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's why I think that we, we need to start thinking a little bit more creatively, as you put it, and that we need to start thinking a little bit more proactively and mm -hmm. start blaming companies, big companies, that they are taking away from us, even if it is true, which I know to some degree it is. But we need to start teaming up with each other. We need to start doing more Xenoquest. We need to start finding out who can do what we can't. Mm -hmm. And we need to start basically sharpening up our deals, mm -hmm. you know, and, and our offering. We, we have to, because larger companies are going nowhere. They're not going to disappear. They're not going to go away. And them leaving is absolutely no guarantee whatsoever that you're going to do any better. Mm. Period. That's, that's just the way it goes. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. It's, um, yeah. But, but as someone who does not have much in the way of disposable income right now, if you are making... Uh, an indie game that could fit in a zine <laughs> and uh, you're only asking for a few hundred dollars and it's not you know a knockoff version of D&D &D. yeah I'd love to hear about it I mean I think you know we how do I say this as a community we're often quite generous with each other and I think um, this whole scarcity mindset of well if these people are doing really well, then everybody else, you know, and then it's taking something from everybody else. That's not necessarily true. Um, but it does mean that, like, you can't just make a thing and put it on Kickstarter and wait for funding to fall in your lap. Correct. Um, Correct. That, that's just not going to happen. It, no. no, it's... You're not owed funding just because you made something. <laughs> it's sad but true. But if you make something and you're proud of it and you want to share it with the world, and you want to, um, you know, you want to share it with the world, or you want to complete something that that's already almost fully underway, then I can. Then yeah, like. But you still have to put together a solid campaign, regardless, regardless of your funding level, regardless of the scope of your project. You, you, all, you still have to, um, it, it, it might not be the same amount of work. Your, your goal might be smaller, but it's still the same process. You still have to put all those little elements together. 
So, you know, so like you, you can't really control the big, with the um big fish do, but you have control over what you can do. Like, yeah, do the best you can. And, yeah, and, do the and best. One, one more, one more thing. Uh, sorry to cut you there, uh, but one more thing, and I, I cut you because I need, I need to remember to say this, and is that we need to set our expectations to the right level. You are producing an indie game, you are producing a niche game, and you're targeting that necessarily to a niche audience. Mm -hmm. The nicher the game, the nicher the audience. The nicher the audience, the harder it's going to be for you to get the numbers you need or want. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay, that, 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 that is it. It is, you're more likely to get $100,000 if you appeal to 100,000 people than you are to get $100,000 if you appeal to 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. that, that's it. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's something is that we need to set our expectations accordingly and think that anything above what we expect is a bonus. Mm -hmm. But if you are not getting big money, well, you're not producing a big money game. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. just not not going to happen. That that's that's the way it goes. I, I don't know. It's it's a it's, it's a hard one, but that's it. You're producing a niche game. Mm. Yeah. I guess that's. I guess that wraps it up for us this week. I think so because I mean we could be going on no, 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 about the same thing, uh, but um, I, I think by now I have already upset an awful lot of indie people. Um, who are going to be telling that I don't know what I'm talking about and that their circumstances are completely different and that I have never published anything bullshit I have several times. And uh, I that's why I know what I'm talking about. So there you go. Sorry, Indies, I love you so much, seriously, so, so much. But we need to become a little bit more realistic. And we need to become a little bit more disciplined. And we need to up our game. Yeah. But but still, you know, it's doable. You can do yep. this. You just have yep. to, you can do this. Really, it just you just have to do your research and maybe talk to a few people who've done it before. And you know, it's it's definitely possible. You just have to like a yes, some amazing things get funded on Kickstarter. There are some amazing success stories, but but don't be kind of don't get hypnotized by that. <laughs> like, like, um, like, like Paco said, manage your expectations, but also, you know, put forth your best effort. And if it means you have to learn a little bit, learn a little bit. Just, you know, it, it's doable. It's doable. It's, it's not that you do not need a multi-million-dollar marketing budget to make your to, to get your project fully funded. You, you really don't. Agreed. But it's going to take. You know, but, but lacking, but since you can't throw money at the problem, it's going to take, you know, you're going to have to think a bit more outside of the box and you're going to have to be a little, well, maybe a lot more determined than, than many people are used to. But it's doable. It's doable. I've funded projects with crowdfunding before um, and mine came with a deadline. So it might involve other people looking at me in a public place. So, 
yeah, it, you can do this. You can do this. It's just, you know, don't expect it to work the same way it would for a company with more resources. That's it. Indeed. Yeah. Good. Well, um, that, in that case, that, that's it. Our listeners, let us know what you think. Uh, have you published anything yet? If you haven't and you want to do it, are you watching the How to Publish Your RPG series that I'm producing at the moment? Because you certainly should, because it's very good. Trust me, it's very, very good. Um, I am very good. Um, my mom says so, so it must be true. So there. <laughs> nice tie in there. It is. <laughs> We're talking about. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, this is Sean Harris. Uh, this is and, uh, and thank you so much. And talk to you again soon.